a critical element for franchise success in working with franchise brokers, in building a winning franchise system, recruiting qualified franchisees is trust. Trust in your franchise brand. So how do you get there? So I'd like to welcome a franchise leader, Jana Belly. Jana is the CEO of FranNet, which is an amazing franchise broker network. FranNet's in a very unique position because not only do they help individuals find franchises and connect with franchisors, but FranNet is one of the only broker networks that is actually a franchise system itself. So as we speak with Jana today, she's also she's the CEO of a franchise company. She supports her franchisee brokers, and those franchisee brokers sell franchises. So welcome, Jana. Thank you for spending some time today. Well, thank you for having me. So Jana, we, we actually had a great conversation before this started where it's about life, right? And you were, I mean, you were sharing some great advice and like why we're doing all this and where we want to get to, right? Um, and I think it's all about family and enjoying things. Jen, I, so our audience for the franchisors out there, there's emerging franchisors, there's some struggling franchisors, new franchisors. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most important factors as they go through this journey and, and you're leading a franchise company. So anyone watching this, mm -hmm. you're the CEO of a franchise company. I think it's so important that they build trust in their franchise system. Um, I thought there's no better person to speak with than you because you have many times you're telling franchisors you can't work with them or you're seeing franchisors succeed and you're also in that franchisor role. So I'd love if you could share your perspective on what is that trust factor and what does it take to succeed? Well, from a franchisor standpoint, a new franchisor wanting to come into FranNet, um, you know, they've got to have the trust of the broker group if they're ever going to get any traction. And some of the things that we ask about and look for in the very beginning is the foundation, you know, the foundation of that franchise. Do they have a good proof of concept? How's the validation going to be? And I was just writing an article this morning, and one of the things I was commenting on is the importance, the very critical element of how the franchisor supports those franchisees and how those franchisees will speak to candidates about that relationship. You know, what is what goes on there? What is uh, happening between the franchisor and the franchisee? For example, and I think you and I talked about this back when COVID was just happening. You know, one of the big questions now is how did the franchisors support the franchisees during COVID? What'd they do? What'd they not do? So in general, that for us is part of the trust we have to have that if we place someone with you, Mr. Franchisor, Ms. Franchisor, are you going to take care of our candidates? Are you going to help them get open and operating and successful? What kind of uh, systems and processes do you have to ensure that success? And will your existing franchisees validate that? So don't tell us about it and not be able to have it validated because that's worthless. We have to be able to hear it from the people that live it every day. And from your perspective, you're living it every day with your franchisees, your friend at brokers and consultants. Okay. Jenna, there's so many points here that I, I think is so critical for 
emerging franchisors. And hey, if you're a franchisee and you're listening to this conversation, everything Jen is speaking about, right? Uh, proof of concept, validation. One of the items when, when I'm, we're working with a new brand that's in the franchising process and right, we do the legal and the brand development, but when I look at their website or, you know, one of the comments I always make, and this is not an original thought on my part, I may have to attribute this to probably Lisa Welko or another bright franchise broker, but is they want to know, can I do it and how I do it? Right. And, and you're, you know, the points you're raising, which is about opening, operating, you know, what are the systems and processes? That's your, one of your big points here. So what are you looking for when you're communicating with these franchisors? What are the little things that will indicate for you whether or not they're ready to support or they have the right mindset versus, hey, that's just a bunch of fluff. Everyone says that. So please stop. Yeah. Um, we look for the infrastructure that they've built or haven't built. You know, one of the first questions is, um, you know, who, tell me about your team. Tell me, tell me about your team. We love to have people from the franchise industry already be on that team so that it's not their first time to franchise and they know nothing about the industry. Because as you and I know, running a business and running a franchise are two entirely different things. And they need to have someone on that team that has been there, done that, and understands what it means to support and run a franchise company. So that's important to me. I want to know um, who's going to be in charge of their franchise sales. Is If it's their cousin, Bob, who sold cars, that gives me no comfort that they know how to work with our leads and take them through a process to help them reach the best possible answer for themselves. I also want to know who is their training and field support. And, you know, and in the very beginning, sometimes it is just the it's the founder or it's the founders, you know, relative that's involved in the business and that's okay but i want to know what their plans are for growing that infrastructure one of the questions that we ask how many new franchisees could you support in a year how many could you get open and when they blink and say as many as you bring me that brings me no comfort they haven't thought that through they haven't really thought about what it's going to take to get 10 or 20 or 30 franchisees up and running. So I need to know they've thought that through. And I feel much better when somebody says, you know, we could probably handle 10 to 15. More than that's going to be stretching it. They've thought it through. They understand. Or they say, we, we've actually hired the team that could onboard 50 a year. Okay. They've thought it through. You need to know they're plugged in what's coming their way. Janet, that, that's such an important point. And what, and I, I hate that I do this in these videos. One of my biggest issues is I get calls from individuals that probably shouldn't have franchised. Yes. They work with these consultants, whether they're cold called or, you know, they're sold on these packages. And, and yeah. it, 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 it's heartbreaking. Sometimes I even have veterans who spent money they shouldn't, and they don't even have a location open. But 
what bothers me the most about is these franchise developers make it sound like franchise sales is easy and we're just going to get you leads and no one's giving thought to the very thoughtful point that you're making, which is how many can you support? Because that's a very big obligation you're taking on. And I love the perspective of you're not, there's no credibility. If you tell Jana Bailey and Franet, bring us as many as you can, right? Because that's the wrong mindset. <laughs> um, so it is about the support. So for sure, you guys are evaluating, can they support the franchisees? What does the bandwidth look like? Uh, what does the team look like? Now, you also mentioned some other things in terms of proof of concept. Like, right. are there, so when you're evaluating proof of concept, is that item 19 and financial performance? Is it industry? Or it's probably like a combination of everything, right? Combination. And, you know, at the, at the purest form, it's how many units do you have open and operating? And are they all in the same little clustered area? Or have you, you know, been in different types of markets, different people? Um, because if you've only had one or two and it's just the company-owned stores, that, that can be good. But I really like it when they've already got a couple of units open by potential by franchisees or by people not involved in the family operation and in locations that may be a little diverse, because you want to know that this concept will work beyond those boundaries. So the more traction they've gotten, the better chances of a broker group really embracing them, because you can see that they've already proven it will work in small towns, large towns, downtown, out in the suburbs, that type thing. Item 19, um, I'm shocked when a brand comes to us without an item 19 these days. You know, I remember 15 years ago when we were saying, oh, only 20% of the industry has them. It's not a big deal. Now, if you don't have them, we won't bring you into our portfolio. We will not talk to a brand that doesn't have an item 19. It's that important to the process. Um, now, you know, Charles, I was a banker and uh, for 18 years, commercial loan officer. So I know how numbers can be manipulated. And I know that when I look at item 19s, they're rarely going to look, you know, um, well, not rarely. They're never going to look scary. They wouldn't put them in there if they were. So it's going to be, you know, the polished up best possible. But at least it gives a starting point to the candidate. And that's what's important. It gives that starting point of asking questions and gathering information. So as they're talking and doing their validation, they can refer back to, are you meeting those numbers? Where are you compared to that? You know, where's your strengths and weaknesses compared to those numbers? It opens the door for additional conversations that need to happen. Without the item 19, they're flying blind. So I, I think that's a great perspective on item 19. And, and for those listening, item 19 is, is the part of the franchise disclosure document where franchisors include financial performance numbers. But Jen, I, I think too many franchisors or startups or attorneys, or either they're not paying enough attention to item 19 or they're overemphasizing it. Whereas I love your point of it's the starting point for the candidate. And, and I, you know, following your advice and, and the thought process for the franchisors, 
it's the beginning point of that story that gives insights into what revenue streams could look like or categories, and it helps you yeah. fill in the gaps. And I, I think if franchisors take that perspective, it's a win. And I also love your point of view of, hey, everyone knows this is probably going to be the most polished numbers. And so I, I think even there too, if there's a weakness, maybe you own it and you disclose yeah. it and give that transparency. Well, you know, it's, we use the term frame that setting the table with the candidate and, and that's preparing them. One of the best examples I have is before joining FranNet, I was with a hair care company and I had a multi-unit owner that would just sabotage us in validation. And because he didn't want any other people in his trade area, he was afraid of competition, even though there was tons of room. So I would set the table with those candidates by saying, now, when you're talking to people and they give you negative comments about, you know, things aren't working well, and ask them if they're willing to sell their business. If they're unhappy, would they sell their business? And if they say no, you've got to ask yourself, well, if they're so unhappy, why won't they sell? The, and, which, you know, those kind of things, just helping them think it through. So, Jenna, on the validation, right, definitely a critical element. So what's your advice to those emerging franchisors on... Well, number one, small network. I, I love your advice that, and, and this goes for every startup franchisor. Jenna gave like amazing insight, which is one of the things she looks for is your initial expansion. And so if you have that first group of franchisees, those first five franchisees, are they in different geographic territories? Are they succeeding? Because Jana and the FranNet team are looking for that. And now the next part of that question is, if the FranNet team recommends a candidate, what does that validation look like when they reach out to those franchisees? Jenna, as a CEO, if you're running one of these emerging or startup franchises, what are some of the focal points or initiatives you're going to take in terms of building up that validation with, with your network? Well, as, as that emerging brand, um, watch, you know, we all talk about how important that first five to 10 people are. They are so crucial. And invariably, you're going to bring in somebody you shouldn't have. And the best thing to do is as soon as you see there's going to be problems, you've got somebody that no matter what you do, they're not going to be happy. Um, they're just not the right fit. Help them exit with grace as quickly as possible because they're going to become a cancer in your organization over time. And they will be, you know, the Debbie Downer in validation. They will be the one that'll kill a deal. So watch. Um, that's why I stress having a resale program in place as quickly as possible. You should already know what your resale program is going to be before you start selling franchises, in my opinion, because you're in just without question, you're going to have two or three people out of your first 20 that you need to get rid of and help them go somewhere else where they'll be happier. So be sure you've thought that through. And when you have that negative validation, if you can't, you know, again, without talking about your franchisees, you need to set the table for the people validating. You know, like every organization, we've got some really happy campers. We've got some that are doing well, but they're not superstars. And we've got some that probably shouldn't be here. So go ahead and set that tone 
but then do your best to get them out and weed them out as fast as possible. The, the, um, that's such important advice, right? And it, it's always interesting. I, like I learn every time we, we have these, uh, conversations. So as you're, you're stating that and your advice about having a resale program in place and Hey, you're, when you have those first 20 franchisees, there's going to be two or three that you need to exit the system. You know, as you're giving that advice, Jenna, I'm like conversations in my head with our clients, our emerging franchisors, where you could see the pain where they're doing the right mm -hmm. thing. They have a great system and there's always that one or two franchisee that, I'm not going to attribute blame to them, but they're hurting the system, mm -hmm. their perspective, their attitude. Um, and then it does cross over that mindset to other franchisees. So boy, like talk about under the radar topic that very few people discuss or think about, because it's all about selling and systems that advice, even at a 20 unit system, having that resale program in place, I think it's more powerful than I think anyone could realize, or especially you don't realize it when you're at that 20 unit stage. But as you said that, Jenna, like 10 conversations from the past week popped up in my head because they're all notices to the franchisees. And every time our clients are, they're, they're not trying to hurt the franchisee. No. It's concerned. And what's yeah. funny is, they lash out at me, the franchisees. I'm trying to be as nice as I can in our notices. I'm like, no, I, I, and I'm not a big believer in fighting or litigating with franchisees, not at all. But it's so important to, and, and I think you said exit with grace. Wow, that's important, right? So you need to embrace them and help mm -hmm. them exit, hug them on the way out. I love that. Well, you know, one of the things I've often said, if you're not happy, we're probably not happy. And if we're not, you know, and if, if we're not happy, chances are you aren't. Because when the relationship is working, both parties feel good about it. And, you know, things are moving forward. Um, I think finding the right fit and bringing in the right people is a growth pain that franchisors have to go through. In the beginning, if they have a check and they're excited about joining our brand, we can't wait to bring them in. And they may be the very worst fit for your system. So be aware, you know, in the beginning, look at who your top performers are. Who are the people that really roll up their sleeves and are willing to contribute to growing the company with you and are excited about the future of the organization? If you've got someone that is all me, me, me and, you know, you, you haven't done enough of this and you haven't done enough of that. Even though when you brought them in and set them down at the table, you said we're a, a young and growing and, you know, we're still tweaking the systems as we go. And are you okay with that? And they said, yes, but now they're mad about it. So look at who you're bringing in, look at what's happening as they come in. Well, and then Jenna, that, so again, Frannet is a broker organization. You guys are very big on the digital front. You're, you're, you have a cult. What I love about Franet is the Franet brokers out there. There's a very similar pattern to who they are. Mm -hmm. They're very positive people. Yes. Um, they're very helpful people. Um, 
definitely industry involved, but they're also cheerleaders for others, right? That's yeah. at least my perception when I see friend, like they're friends, right? Um, mm -hmm. So you've built an organization. Now, Franet, your advice is, hey, how do you work with an organization like us and every franchisor should want to, but the advice you're giving, you're the CEO of a company, one of the only broker companies that also is a franchisor. And, and, you know, the thought was very interesting because we had a conversation. I said, Jenna, you know, we were talking and everything you're reflecting on is, is Charles, we're a franchisor. So we're not just here collecting fees from our franchisees. Their success is our success. And that's what makes mm -hmm. FranNet unique. So drilling down into your experiences as a CEO, because I think it'd be helpful for other franchisors. What's your mindset in terms of where FranNet is today and, and how you're building and growing this organization? Um, it's interesting you bring that up because we just we had a spring meeting in March. And one of the things that we talked about opening day was we're in FranNet 3.0 stage right now. 1.0 was the founder when Howie was running the company and it was a mutual benefit company. 16 years ago, it changed hands and it was a group of FranNet office owners that bought out Howie. And we franchised the company at that time. And that's when they brought me in as, you know, as the person to, to be the face and the figurehead and run the company. Um, they wanted to keep running their offices. They were very successful franchisees. So that 2.0 was the new ownership in the franchise model. 3.0 that we just launched this year is where we're really evolving the company. We've always been a territory bound um, model in that you were limited to being able to market and do deals in your territory. And we still respect that those boundaries on a physical level, but the new world we're in is virtual and digital. And so we've taken the handcuffs off there where our group can work cooperatively or singularly in other markets on a digital basis. Now, what that means is they have the world opened up to them, basically. So that expands their territory availability and marketing availability while still respecting the boundaries of the physical market. Making any change, especially massive changes, and as I've told Jack Armstrong, our chairman, now this is my second big one, and I don't know that I have a third one, so <laughs> we're going to have to get this second one, you know, where it needs to be, but it's never easy. There's always a lot of conversations that have to take place, a lot of questions that have to be answered, and you've got to go at it as an open book, there are no hidden secrets. You know, there's, there's no hidden agenda. There's nothing out there. And one thing people can say about me as a leader, Charles, they may not always agree with me, but I don't lie and I don't hide things and I'm transparent. And I've been told my face sends messages before my yeah, mouth does. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't lie and be yeah, successful no, no, I if I wanted to. <laughs> But you've got to, you've got to, you've got to be open and honest and transparent, and you've got to get the buy-in of the group of why changes need to be made. Well, it's interesting because, so what, what so many 
so a new franchise will come and say, hey, I'm going to offer a commission, so I'll get brokers. And we have a conversation where initially they don't understand that brokers are out there. They're, they're small business owners like you. They're building a business. They're building trust. They care about their candidates. And I, I, I'm like any other profession, you always have outliers, but there's some amazing good brokers out there. There are. And so they're business builders. And when I watch FranNet brokers, again, there's those common factors about their mindset and attitude. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to watch the shift because everything shifted digitally, right? We've accelerated yeah. post-COVID. We accelerated on digital front. And while on the one hand, there's a inclination or feeling of, hey, I could decentralize and be independent, there's also so much strength and gravity in a solid yes. organization like, like FranNet. So um, as you guys push out on, you know, your version 3.0, who, who's a good, it's interesting because there may be good franchisee candidates looking at an opportunity and then they're sitting there saying, Hey, I should be a friend at broker, but what, what, what's a good fit for you guys for FranNet as you move forward? Well, I'm having those conversations now. And you know, what I'm telling people is number one, are they in it for the right reasons? Do they really want to help people find the right match? If people are looking at this as a part-time, you know, gig business that they can make a few extra bucks, they're not the right fit for FranNet. I want people who are committed to helping individuals achieve their dream of business ownership. And yes, the paydays are great, but if you're just in it for the money, don't come to FranNet because that's not who we are. Our people make good money, but they do it with integrity and by doing the right thing. And at the end of the day, you know, people have asked me now that we're opening up and, and recruiting again, which we weren't for quite a while, you know, what assurance do I have that we're not going to bring in some bottom feeders and some people that shouldn't be here? I'm the one doing the screening. I'm the one that's going to tell them, you know, yes or no. And we're being very selective. Um, I've got people that have been with me 25 plus years, Charles, you know, they were here before I was, I've got five second generation Fran Netters. I've got two sets of brothers. So, you know, this is a family. We actually called our spring meeting, you know, family reunion, because that's how it feels. And if I do anything that jeopardizes that culture, then shame on me. So that's what we're going to do and protect is people that come in wanting to do the right thing for the right reasons. And they truly have a consultative approach. Um, I have turned people away that were too salesy. If, if they're all about closing the deal, selling, 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 they're not going to be consultative. And I've often used the term, you know, clients can smell commission breath a mile away. And that's not who we want. That's not what we want. We have to maintain that trusted franchise expert persona because that's who we are. So just being sure we bring in and I let our candidates talk to my franchisees and then I get calls of yes or no. 
So it's, it's a process. Janet, the, um, it, it's, it's always the intangibles, right? And, and when you talk about culture and, and, and family and whether brothers or the, it's it. I I don't know. Maybe I overemphasize, but like I think the power of entrepreneurship, and really what I love here is is there's such a mutual benefit. You're focused on transforming the lives of your friend at brokers, and they're focused mm -hmm. on transforming the lives of their candidates. So, yeah. wow, right? They didn't want to make a bad decision with Frannet, and this is their future, and for sure um, they have the right perspective when they're dealing with their candidates. The, um, as you move forward, what are like, not in terms of numbers, but what's the big win? Is it that family atmosphere? Is it seeing these franchisees succeed? Like what at the end of the yeah. day makes you smile, Janet? I love happy Fran Netters. <laughs> I love happy Fran Netters. And they are happy when they're getting deals done. And, you know, I think if everything and anything we can do at corporate and, you know, that's one of the big things too, Charles, is we have put together a world-class support system at our headquarters. Um, when I took over the company, there were four people at headquarters. Oh, wow. I now have 18. Okay. And, you know, we've built out a training department. We've built out a... Uh, marketing department. We have an IT department. We have, you know, the franchisor department that works with the brands. And that's level of support. We take it serious. And one of the things that Frannet that I've stressed from day one, answer the phone, return calls and emails the same business day, if at all possible. And if not, 24 hours is the outlier, you know, that it's got to be done within 24 hours. We have jobs because of the Fran Netters. And we can't mm -hmm. forget that, you know, our success is their success and their success is our success. So we are an interdependent um, structure and we have to all support each other and we can't do everything for everybody on the drop of a hat, but we have to listen and they have to be understanding of our limitations and we have to be understanding of their needs. Yeah, that that's um. Yeah, I didn't realize four to eighteen on support, which which I guess gets to the heart of everything, right? Supporting everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Jenna, I I actually get nervous before we have these interviews with you, but I I really <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> you know what? Um, I. I think you're building an amazing organization. And I also think you guys are doing, taking not the easy path, right? This is, you know, a long-term commitment and long-term yeah. relationship. And I think it's great that, that um, you guys are actually doing what you're selling. Um, and there's a lot of great leadership. So Jenna, thank you so much for, for spending some time. Always happy to be with you, Charles. Thank you, Jenna.